0: Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Ag Center staff host, Jill Funky, and joining me on the show today is Glenda Blindert from Blindert Insurance in Salem, South Dakota. Livestock protection insurance is becoming more and more popular, so we are so glad that Glenda could come join us today. Thanks for being here.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Glenda, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your agency?
1: We've been in business here
0: in Salem for 31
1: years doing crop insurance, have done livestock products probably for the last 10 years. And my husband also farms and has cattle in the feedlot, so that helps us understand probably a little bit better.
0: So let's jump right into our topic. Can you explain to us what is livestock risk protection?
1: What we're doing is we're covering the price. It doesn't cover mortality, so if your cattle would die or get out or anything like that, that's what your regular farm insurance is for. All we're doing is locking in a price, and it protects you from downward price movement. If the listeners are familiar with a put, it's basically a subsidized put, And last year, the crop insurance industry or the feds subsidized this better, and that's why we're seeing so much more interest in it because it is cheaper to buy this through the insurance than buying an option.
0: So can you kind of go into the benefits of an LRP? Well, one of the things is just the the cost, like I said, and being able to, especially right now with
1: feeder cattle prices, Ever You know, they're good, but nobody knows how long they're going to stay this way. The guys are trying to at least lock in a break-even or, or these prices even make some money on it. So um, basically what an LRP is is every night after the market's closed, usually around 4 o'clock, that they'll put the price out for that day.
0: And, and I actually quoted one for one of my producers yesterday for his cattle. Which would have been September thirteenth. Correct.
1: LRP on feeder cattle, which has been the most popular, fed cattle and swine. Probably a year ago we could do it on lambs or sheep. There that product is no longer
0: available. But the popular is for cattle. Exactly. So There's no minimums, right? Correct. So the small and medium producers can really pay attention to this, which a lot of our listeners would be in the small to medium producers level. Right. So if
1: you're going to buy an option or take a position on the board, you have to have enough to fill that contract. Where this, we've done it for as few as our smaller producers, 10 head. We've done it for a guy that had 300 head. And for some of them, this is a good way to keep locking in your price so let's say i'm going to look at yesterday we could lock in on feeder cattle in february 262 dollar price next week and we were doing it next week if the price you could lock in 25 head today next week if the price is better lock in another 25 head and keep locking your cattle in until you have them all locked
0: in Super. And so we covered the types of livestock, but are there any limits that we should be aware of?
1: Fed and feeder cattle, it's 12,000 head per endorsement, a total of 25,000 for the crop year. And the crop year runs from July 1 to July 1. You know, that takes care of most of our producers around here, that 25,000 head per year, that takes care of most of them. On swine, it's twelve thousand head per endorsement, seven hundred fifty thousand head per crop year. Truthfully, I think the reason I don't do a lot of swine is anymore. Most of our swine out here um, in our barns are owned by a bigger company that have protected them themselves. So I don't have too many farmers that actually own the hogs themselves that they're feeding which is probably why we're not doing a lot of swine, um, although we could for the big operators, but for the feeder and fed cattle, that 25000 head really takes care of most of our operators in this area.
0: For those that are kind of in this industry, can you tell me what's the difference between an LRP and a livestock gross policy?
1: LRP versus an LGM. LRP is price protection only, LGM protects the margin between expected prices and expected feed costs, but it's all determined by the futures market, and even for fed cattle, most everybody is going towards the LRP product instead. It seems to work better than that LGM, because you could have the cattle price drop, but maybe your feed cost didn't, and so that margin didn't change enough. And it's way more complicated to figure it out. So for most of our guys, we're just protecting price only. And very few of them are interested in that LGM product. Um, if they want to protect their feed costs, truthfully, there's better ways to do
0: it, probably with a position or some
1: forward contracting or something.
0: Can those two things ever be paired? You can put an LRP on your feeder cattle and we keep up
1: to 1,000 pounds and then you're retaining them, you're going to put them in a feedlot, you could buy an LGM on your cattle once that LRP expires. So let's say you did 100 head of LRP and that expired in February. You're going to retain ownership. You're putting them into your feedlot. You could buy LGM coverage on it. But truthfully, what I'm seeing is guys will turn around and buy another LRP for fed cattle. Okay. to get them up from that 1,000 pounds up to that 1,600 pound. And how this is based is when you tell me that you want to lock in fed cattle and I ask you about when are they going to go to market, and this particular one I did yesterday, he before he puts any more cattle back into his lot, he's selling cattle right now, he wants to know if he can protect this price. So, we're looking at next August that he would be selling again, August or September, and he said and normally they'd weigh about 1,450 pounds. So, that is what the quote, that's the premium you pay, is based on whatever your weight is, whether it's fed cattle or feeder cattle. And we want to get it pretty close to what they would actually weigh
0: then. Okay, so that's one factor I guess in how we determine what we need because this is exciting. Any kind of risk protection, your ears perk up. But so that's one factor. But what else do we have to consider when we're trying to determine our coverage needs?
1: First of all, you have to own the cattle. So let's go back to the feeder cattle. We were locking some in in oh this early spring when they were just having baby calves. We could have locked in as an unborn calf. Or as they're born, and you can go clear up. Like I said, there's two different weight brackets. They're from zero or unborn up to 600 pounds, and then from 601 up to that 1,000 pounds, depending on when you were going to sell them. So first of all, you've got to figure out how many heads you've got. And then on feeder cattle, it depends. You know, like how many steers. It's a different price for steers versus heifers. There's a different rate if it's uh, dairy cattle, and then there's a different rate if it's Brahma's, which we don't have around here, but we certainly will have some dairy cattle. And so that's the first thing is you've got to figure out, when I ask somebody, well, okay, if you want to lock this in, how many steers, how many heifers? And so they'll know that, and then I'll say, when do you think that you might want to sell them? So a lot of our guys are selling feeder cattle in that January, February time frame. So we'll look at that January, February time frame, and then we'll start getting them some quotes and getting them some prices. So you have to know how many head, when you're probably going to sell, and what they normally would weigh during that time frame. And at a time of the claim, you have to prove ownership. So you can't lock in somebody else's cattle. So you have to be able to prove that you own them. If you buy them, and you're backgrounding them or whatever, and you're putting them in your own feedlot, then just a bale of sale that you bought 100 head. If they're your own raised calves, um, which we do that a lot, then there's just, you need something. You need a vet report, a feed report, somebody to verify, yeah, this guy has 100 head of cows. So we have to be able to prove at the time of the claim that you actually own the cattle so now if you're buying feeder cattle and I have guys call me at the sale if I buy these feeder cattle that are running through the sale what can I lock them in at and I'll tell them but we can't actually do it until after they they get them bought but there are a lot of times we'll do them the day over the day day after the sale when they're buying these feeder calves
0: if there's a need so we've locked in our pricing what do you want to tell me about the loss payments well, let's just use this quote that I did yesterday. I locked in steers for a guy.
1: He plans on selling them in February. So based on yesterday, it would expire on February 6th. The markets after the market closed was $262.84 per hundredweight. We could lock in 99.35% of that, or his coverage price would be $261.12. So, when this expires on February 6th, if the futures market, the cattle index market, is less than $261, he'll have a claim coming. It's that simple. Nice. So, let's say that the feeder cattle price was $240 on February 6th. He'd have $21 per hundred weight coming based on the 800 pounds that we said. So, that would be his claim. Now... It used to be we have to pay for this when you bought it. Now you pay for it at the end. So that's another advantage wow. of Wow, yeah. Unlike options or futures, you got to pay for that when you put it on. But here, you pay for it after you sell those calves. And this particular one, we can protect that $261 coverage price for him. It would cost him $49.85 per head. And he's locking in a guarantee of $2,089. That's fantastic. So when he's sitting at the sale barn or whatever, then he knows, okay, whatever I'm paying for that calf today, this is what I can lock it in for in February. Now, that's pretty much an in-the-money put, um, depending on the financial um, position of some of my farmers. And some of them, were just protecting their break-even, especially on raised calves. We have some of them that maybe I don't need an in-the-money put. I don't need to protect that quite that much. But if I lock in $251 coverage price, that would get me $2,009 a head guarantee. That covers my costs, and that would only cost me $26.25 per head. So as you can see, it's fairly reasonable to take some of the risk out of this. And I tell you right now, we have more and more people, if they're sitting wanting to buy some calves, the banker wants to know what you can lock them in for mm-hmm. right? to loan. And another benefit on LRP is if, if required, a bank can, can take an assignment on this to protect their loans. So that does make it easier for people that are wanting to borrow money to buy calves when the bank can can take an assignment on this.
0: Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know?
1: You have to work with a licensed agent and not all crop insurance agents are licensed for livestock. We need to do a special training. And you need to understand this and and work with your agents, get signed up maybe ahead of time because when the market closes today, let's say at four o'clock today, if you want it, I have to have it in my system by 8:25 tomorrow morning before the markets open again so if you're interested at all do your homework get this figured out work with an agent because now what we're doing is we've got a list of guys and we're just starting when we see that the market's up we know about what they're looking for we'll just text them well, here's what the market is today Do you want to lock some in
0: thank you for being here today you know this gives us a better handle on an lrp And I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate.